Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. This passage is probably being read at hundreds of millions of churches around the world today. Has been for thousands of years. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises praises as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God. Oh, Lord God. In your Sermon on the Mount, you tell thousands of people how to pray. And by your hand, these words have been recorded and given to us down through the centuries that we may once again humbly learn at your feet as if we were there in the Sermon on the Mount back then. Thank you for these words in the name of Christ. Amen. I only want to look at one phrase in the Lord's Prayer today. And that phrase is the second one. Hallowed be your name. As I grow older, I see people ask again and again, did my life matter? Did my time on earth make a difference? I work with a lot of corporations across the Milwaukee and Southeast Wisconsin area, and I tell people all the time, a third of our lives is spent in the workplace, a third of it is sleeping. And during those working hours, did my life matter? Did it matter with my family? We wonder sometimes, what's the point? We say that in our hardest moments. A long time ago, in 1648, there was a group of people that gathered together in Westminster, and they raised a wonderful creed. It's called the Westminster Confession. And the very first question in that confession is this. What is the chief end of man? In other words, what are we here for? And the answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So Jesus teaches us in this prayer a way not only to find purpose and meaning and value in our lives, but in that, we are actually glorifying God in the process. To know God and to glorify him adds a depth of meaning to our lives nothing else will provide. And it will endure into eternity. The Catechism says the goal of our lives is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And yet we learn this in the most private of all actions between us and God, in prayer. 
in prayer. Jesus tells us not to pray like those who are looking for public acclaim. Good Lord, there's enough of them in the evangelical community. But privately, alone between us and God the Father. And the first petition of that prayer, after we say, Our Father, is hallowed be thy name. Now, so many things in the Christian life become rote. We can rattle off the Lord's Prayer at 100 miles an hour. We know that. We don't even think about what we're doing, and that happens to me as well as anyone else. We simply rattle off the prayer, say, Lord, Father, just go through this, right? But this phrase is so significant. Jesus had a specific intention about this phrase when he told us to pray, hallowed be thy name. John Calvin said there would be no need of this petition if even a little bit of godliness was among us. And that was in the 1500s. We honor people with awards like the Academy Awards and some of that other silly stuff. But we also know what it means to be honored. And that's what the word hallowed is about. The word hallowed literally means to be venerated, to be honored, to be seen as incredibly important. Some of us at our companies this year are getting awards for different things. We sense what it means to be honored. And in our prayer to God, when we say, hallowed be your name, we are saying, may your name be venerated, worshipped, and honored. The hallowing of God's name, the veneration and honoring of his name is the beginning of our prayer. So we're saying, our Father, may your name be honored. May it be venerated. May it be hallowed. May we adore you before we ask for anything. In the Greek, the word hallowed here is in the imperative for it. It says, may it be so. May this be true. We think of phrases like hallowed ground by Gettysburg, or a place of reverence and honor like the tomb of the unknown soldier. And if you've ever been there, it's a place where it's breathlessly quiet because of the honor that is due to the person who's unknown. We know what honor means. It's to be revered. It means to be venerated. A tomb of breathless quiet. And in this posture, we meet our Lord. When you think about the phrase, hallowed be your name, just, let's get, break this down to a personal level. Our name means something to us. When people hear my name, whether for good or ill, I know something comes to mind. When they think of Jim Bone, they think of something. Something comes to mind about me and who I am. It's more than just whether or not I, I'm a certain, uh, I'm a male or whatever. They know something about my name has value one way or the other. Our names are our identities. And I'm sorry to do this, but I have to cough. <coughs> I've been fighting the local virus all week. By the grace of God, I'm standing here. So, But I want you to think of some of these names and see what comes up on your mental radar screen. Steve Jobs. Nikki Haley. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Bill Gates, John and Ann Prezina, Pastor Joe Radasevich. All of those names carry more to them than just a person's identity. There's an incredible amount of their personality and everything else engaged in that simple name. 
couple years ago, I was working on a project with someone that required some printed materials. There's a list of names for a, a musical event. And the whole printing project was done, and I was so happy because I had paid a bunch of money for it. It was all set to go, and then I found out that there was a spelling error on somebody's name. And it, it was, I had spent a lot of money for this, and so I was like, no, you know how that goes. So I called her up, and I said, your name is misspelled. Can I still go forward with this? Because it cost me $500, a lot of money. But she was very gracious to me, and she said, the next time you print that, make sure you get my name right. Because that little N on the end of my name means a lot to me. Our names mean something to us. None of us wants our names to be slandered or ridiculed or even worse, forgotten. Our name is important. We do not want to be ridiculed or misrepresented. We don't want our reputations tarnished in any way. But the reality is, when we pray this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we're looking back to what God says about his name. He always has his name top of mind. You know that? The whole Old Testament, God consistently speaks about how his name is to be treated. God loves his name. He's jealous of his reputation because his integrity is at stake. Listen to this. You shall not swear by my name falsely, he says to the Hebrew people, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And he says in another passage in Ezekiel, you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake. Not according to your evil ways, not according to your corrupt deeds. O house of Israel, declares the Lord, you will be dealt with according to my name's sake. People turn, thank you, Becky. People turn to God for help in the Old Testament. And they do it in a very special way. And we get we can sort of run past this. But for example, in one place it says, Help us, O God, of our salvation for the glory of your name. I need help, Lord. I need help. I'm in trouble, but for the glory of your name, help us. Deliver us and atone for our sins. Why? For your name's sake. So that God's name would be honored. Hallowed be your name. There's a wonderful passage that we've all read or heard at a funeral or some important event where the psalmist says these words, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Why? Everybody. For his name's sake. The reason he leads us in paths of righteousness in our lives is not so that we get something necessarily out of it. It's so that he will be honored through our lives, so that his name will be honored and venerated. Jeremiah takes it a step further. Though our iniquities testify against us, O God, act for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We've sinned against you. Oh, hope of Israel. It's time of Savior is in trouble. Why would you be like a stranger in the land, like a traveler who turns aside? You, O oh Lord, yet are in the midst of us, in the midst of all this tragedy. You're in the midst of us. And we are called by your name. Do not leave us. His name is the key 
to our veneration and worship of him. And so, Lord, hallowed be your name. If you talk to the Hebrew people, they do not use the word Adonai very often. They will rarely, if ever, use the word Yahweh when they speak of God. But you know what they say? These two words, Hashem. Hashem will do this. Hashem will take care of us. Hashem will honor us. Hashem will, will solve our issues. Hashem in Hebrew means the name. That's how they referred to God as the name. That's how big his name is, is to refer to him exclusively as the name, which includes everything about him. His omnipotence, his omnipresence, his power, his mercy, his honor, all of that, his glory, his holiness, is in those two words, Hashem, the name. And so in the simple phrase is a reminder to us how we, when we address him in prayer, that his name should be honored above all others. Our first petition to him is that he will be honored and revered. No matter what happens to us in our lives, and I know I'm going to kick that over. My world's clumsiest man, trust me. No matter what happens to us in our lives, the hallowing of God's name is never wasted or lost. I want you to think about that in the context of, do I matter? Is it important that I'm here? When we hallow God's name and when we honor him, we matter at that same time. It's our way of honoring him and glorifying him while at the same time demonstrating our lives have purpose and existence because we are children of the living God. <coughs> we go on, he says, thy name. There's an old passage in the, in the Psalms that says to us, not to us, O Lord, not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. For, you, for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Hallowed be your name, Lord, not my name. I think I've spent my lifetime as a Christian trying to figure out how this is not about me. My lifetime as a Christian, 45 years. It's about him. And I'm, this is a struggle I go through all the time. Oh, Lord, look at me. Now it's hallowed be your name, not my name. It's intriguing to me that the hills which would have surrounded the Sermon on the Mount, which this is part of, would have likely had Roman soldiers nearby because they occupied Jerusalem at the time. The whole area of Judea was occupied by Rome. Rome and think about that. They're listening to this man on the hill saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now they, Roman soldiers, would have worshipped all the different gods of Rome, which they stole from the Greeks, by the way. They just changed the names. We don't hear about them anymore, do we? Nobody says, Hail Jupiter. Nobody says, Hail Juno. Hail Mars. But we say, Hallowed be the name of the King of Kings. Through 2,000 years, Christianity is overwhelmed with the old gods. And this Christianity has endured, gone well beyond the polytheistic Romans. And so, Lord, hallowed be thy name. It is still a worthy prayer because God's name is not honored among the masses. We know that, right? As soon as we drive out of the parking lot, we're back into a world that despises God. It does not hallow his name. Let's not be silly about that. So why would Jesus 
place this phrase in the prayer because God's name is not honored. Reverence in this world is gone, my friends. Every year it goes farther and farther and farther away. No one wants to revere anything. No one wants to give extra honor to anybody. We're all on an equal playing field. Why would I want to honor somebody with a you know, a degree in medicine, they're just another person like me. You see that social media is completely leveling everybody that way. Everybody's got an opinion about everything. There's no reverence for anything. It's interesting that in the mid-1500s, this is John Calvin again, he says, we would wish God to have the honor he deserves. Men should never think of him without the highest reverence. To this is opposed the profanity that has always been too common and even today is abroad in the world. This is 500 years ago. So John Calvin would walk out of the church he was pastoring and on the streets there was profanity everywhere. No one was honoring or venerating God. So we don't need to feel alone. This is the world we live in. People disregard God every day. He's not hallowed. He's mocked. We find that in the Psalms. People complain that he hasn't done what they wanted him to do, and they blaspheme him, and they laugh and scorn him. They don't even acknowledge him in conversation as if all the universe and everything else showed up by accident. The only time I ever hear people talk about God is when they go deer hunting. This is what they say. I'll find my religion in the woods. Because somehow nature and all that brings them closer to God. That's not how God wants to be honored. He wants to be honored for his name. And yet I would tell you this, one of the biggest mistakes I made as a believing Christian when I was first a Christian was trying to correct people. Big mistake. Don't do it. You cannot correct unbelieving people. They don't get it. They don't understand the natural things. Um, People that that are not spiritual don't understand this stuff. I tried to correct people's speech, tell them that they were wrong. It was always backfiring on me. But what I I did come to learn as I could work in my own life and my own veneration of God and how I lived and what I did that was different. And I will tell you, and you all know this, people get that. They don't want to acknowledge it, but you come into a crowd and all of a sudden someone that they've known has been a believer for a long time, they'll act differently. It happens to me all the time. Not because I'm correcting them, but because they know who I'm honoring. Trying to lead, have unbelievers lead holy lives is a lost cause until they're converted. It cannot be done until they become a believer. And so, Lord, hallowed be your name. When we honor his name, his, this is really the crux of it all. Jesus, when he was going to the cross on John 17, when he was praying, he says these words, ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I have glorified your name on earth. That's our job, following our older brother, King of Kings. This phrase, hallowed be your name, has endured through the centuries. And it has an extreme amount of power. Let me give you an example. When my father-in-law was suffering and dying from Alzheimer's, I was trying to find a way to get him to pray. I wanted him to be encouraged because he was so afraid. I put my hand on his shoulder and I said, our father. And out of his Freeing mind said, Hallowed be thy name. And we prayed the whole Lord's Prayer together. Jesus taught us a way to have meaning and glorify God at the same time. To know God and to glorify Him adds a depth of meaning nothing else will ever provide. 
The goal of our lives is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so, Lord, hallowed be your name. There's great difference between back then and now is a great pulling down of God and trying to equalize him and make him like us. He is not like us. All notions of authority and honor are slowly being demolished in our society, if you pay real close attention. But let that not be so in our lives. Let us venerate and honor the Lord as he is, as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and as the Hebrews would say, the master of the universe, Hashem. Honoring him in our lives, in our speech, in our conversation, in our relationships. And when we fail to do so, and it will happen, it has happened to me, when I've had to bow and confess, oh Lord, I have not venerated your name today. In the blood of Christ, he forgives us for that sin and says, Come on back, my son. Let's do this again. I know where you want to be. So, Lord, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. And when we honor in our lives and speech and conversation, Christ in the gospel cares for us. There's a wonderful, wonderful prayer. (coughs) Song says, All creatures of our God and King, Lift up your voice and with us sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam. Oh, praise him. And this whole hymn continues to talk about how, how nature in the creation is all praising God and saying, hallowed be your name. And so it should be true of us. And Lord, hallowed be your name. And one day, one day, it will be so across the entire earth. When the whole earth Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess unto the glory of God the Father, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and his name will be hallowed forever. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I am humbled to stand here today with your scripture, with your word, but grateful that you are our Father, that your name is to be hallowed, and that by your grace you give us strength to do so. May your name be honored forever, for you alone are worthy.